Hello ladies and gentlemen, hello dear friends and welcome to this new episode of Sotorial Talks. Today we're going to do something special. Uh, since a few weeks, Sonia and I decided to, um, all of a sudden we said, okay, what is the main reason of the success of our channel? We can speak of a success, quote unquote, because we just broke the bar of 220,000 subscriber, which is important for a channel like that on a niche, because we are talking about uh, dressing up, we are talking about, we can say we're not really mainstream these days, as you know. But if we mix this channel, Sartorial Talk, with our French channel, Discussion Sartorial in French, we just broke the bar of 220,000 subscribers, and we are about to break Listen to that, the 20 million views bar, which is for us extremely symbolic. And then one month ago, when we tried with Sonia and my team to analyze what were our weaknesses and what were our strengths, we discovered that many of you send us a lot of messages of encouragement and stressing the fact that the main point you loved about our channel is that we were personally taking the time to answer a maximum of your comments. So, listen to that. We decided to start a huge undertaking, almost a crazy undertaking with Sonia. We say, what if in August, you know, in August in France, we have a little bit more time. Everything's closed down. Uh, I mean, everybody's in vacation pretty much. And we decided we're going to dedicate August to try to answer to every comment that has been ever written on our channel. So the truth is, when I say that, Sonia, she's making big signs behind the camera because we are far from that. We probably have tens of thousands of comments behind us. But um, as far as, we, at the moment I speak to you, we managed to push the comment section to eight months in English and seven months in French. It means that if you have been commenting on this channel maybe two years ago, maybe in the next weeks or so you will receive an answer. I'm sorry, we're late a little bit to our comments. Well, but there's a spirit behind what we do. We strongly believe that building a community requires this kind of attitude. It's our duty. When you take the time, uh, not only to ask questions, but to make suggestions, uh, to ask us some very thoughtful question, to participate to a debate, to give your opinion, always, and we are very proud of this with Sonia, with um, uh, good manners. You know, we are very proud of our common feed. We can tell it to you. This is one of our biggest pride on this channel. Even on the French channel, is the same. People are very uh, polite, very courteous, and we have real discussions. Sometimes when uh, we have some, some um, episodes who are, uh, of, uh, a normal episode have a minimum of 200 to 300 comments, but some episodes are reaching a thousand comments, which is enormous. And the specialists of marketing on YouTube, they say the most important is the engagement rate. On this channel, we have, an, we have a fantastic engagement rate. And so we decided it was our duty because you asked for it. And I know you appreciate that, that we're going to answer to each and every comment. And among those comments, I asked Sonia, she did a wonderful job. I asked Sonia to say, okay, what are the questions that are coming back uh, the most? That is to say, questions that are not sufficient to dedicate a full episode to, but still questions that are there, that are coming back, recurrent, with, I don't know if it's the same word in English, recurrent questions that are coming back. And so she drew for me a list of this question that I'm going to try to answer now that is coming directly from you. So you understand the juice, the content, the heart of this episode is coming directly from you. But as I'm French, I can't go directly to the point, as you know, because we French, we don't like to go directly to the point. I have to do some product placement because you also ask a lot and it's becoming, it's recurrent. So say, where can we find your books? Uh, how can I buy the Parisian gentleman, the Italian gentleman shoe? So I'm going to make a quick update on everything. First, 
the first book we published in 2015 with the Parisian gentleman, published in French, published in English. It's still available, not the original edition, which is sold out since a long, long time. But you can have the compact edition on Amazon or at our publisher, Thames and Hudson, or in some bookstores around the world. The Parisian gentleman in English only, in French, it is sold out and unavailable since years. Okay. Second book that we co-authored with my wife, Sonia Glynn, The Italian Gentleman. You can see it on my right. So the full edition, the big one, is sold out since a long, long time. It was published by Thames and Hudson uh, for the world and uh, for, by Rizzoli uh, in, um, in the USA and by Interval in France. So they're, uh, the compact edition, that is to say this edition, and you can see it's slightly smaller, but it's still a coffee table book, is available, same thing, on Amazon at, and at Edition Interval for the French version, we don't put you the link, and at Thames and Hudson directly in London. So you can find it very easily. And our third book that we co-authored, uh, Hugo Jacome and Sonia Glid, my wife. Um, uh, so the first edition, this one, sorry, it takes some muscles off. So this one was a limited edition. This one is unfortunately sold out since a long, long time. But the good news is that we released recently a second edition. So you see, it's the same book. It's slightly smaller, but it's the same book. So this one is available. But for this one, you can't have it on Amazon because we self-published this one. And so this one, if you want to acquire it, it's very simple. You send us a mail, you go at parisiangentleman.fr, and then you will receive a payment link, and you will receive it at, delivered at your door through DHN. And then the last thing is that, oh my gosh, this is so heavy. <laughs> Sorry. We published, we released for last Christmas, unfortunately, with COVID, it arrived in some kind mid-January. This uh, book set of three books, okay? It's called the Parisian Gentleman Limited Edition Box Set. The good news is that it's, it's available again. And so inside this box set, you have three books. So Shoes, the book that I just showed you, and two fantastic books uh, authored by other people, our friends, Rare Whiskey and Rare Watches. So it is a gentleman box set that is available against. I think the price is today around, I say around because, you know, the dollar and euro are fluctuating around $265 plus shipping. So if you want it, same thing. You just have to send an email to hugo at parisiangentleman.fr and we're going to send you a secured payment link and the book directly through DHL. One last announcement is that we also have a Patreon page. And I want to stress this because many of you know it, but some of you don't even know it. We have a Patreon page and because we receive a lot of people who are asking us, Mr. Jacome, can you guide us a little bit in my tutorial journey? I'd like maybe you to advise us which tailor, etc., etc. Et so you go on the Patreon page, we're going to give you the link, and some of the tiers and the higher tiers, you can have direct access to me and to Sonia, and we can directly advise you what to buy and how to spend your money in the good way and to make some good savings with reductions and discounts or whatever patreon.com slash talks. Take a look because uh, that you might be interesting, uh, interested Sorry, in some of the tiers, that is to say, some of the perks. Now, the questions. So it's a difficult exercise because I have six questions. I must, to, I must be honest with you. I just discovered this question maybe one hour ago, and uh, believe me, I didn't give them a thought. I just say, okay, I'm going to like we do on this channel. I'm going to answer it like it comes. Okay, so the first question that is coming again and again and again is what I call in France a semantic question. So the first question is, what is the difference between a dandy and a gentleman? Wow, that's a very interesting question. And I understand why you asked this question. It's because marketers, people who are working in marketing, and they just, they just sensed a few years ago, that our little movement was gaining momentum. You know, it means that less and less people were wearing suit and ties, but more and more people who are wearing suit and tie are more interested 
interested in the subject, so they are ready to spend more money. And this is a niche of people who don't wear a tie and suit, who don't dress up because they have to, but because they want to. So it changed the whole marketing in their head, you know. And many marketers decided to use the word dandy because it means somebody who wants to dress up is a dandy. Well, I explained to you, there's nothing more opposite in the world uh, as a dandy and a gentleman. It's the exact opposite. What is a dandy? Dandy, dandyism, was a movement uh, that has been initiated uh, in the 19th century by a few people. We call it the pseudo-philosophical movement by people in France. Well, I think it started in England and then in France by people like you, you may have never heard of them, like Barbé d'Orvilly. Uh, you don't know this guy. We're going to put a picture of him. Or, uh, see, yeah, somebody you may have heard of, Georges Brumel, who was supposed, who's supposed to have been inventing the modern suit, and a uh, poet like Charles Baudelaire, for example. So all these people were part of this movement. And the core belief of this movement was to say, okay, we don't really agree with the um, uprising of vulgarity in this world. Uh, we look down on people. We want to to keep us uh, um, uh, apart from the crowd. We don't want to mix with the people. So um, we are dandy. And listen to that. Those people even considered vulgar to work. Can you believe that? One of the most famous among them, and I kept it, I kept him for the last. Uh, it was Oscar Wilde. You heard about Oscar Wilde, for example, he said something that we adore, like um, fashion is such a, a, a dirty, ugly thing that we have to change fashion every six months. It makes everybody laugh, specifically in our style uh, community. But the real, the reality uh, behind the life of Oscar Wilde, who was a writer, but most of his life he's been uh, escaping his debtors and creditors, the people who he was owning money to, because as he didn't want to work, but still have a luxurious lifetime, he had no other option than to borrow money. So you see, dandism is this kind of philosophy to say, okay, the only masterpiece uh, in the world is myself. They spent hours in front of the mirror, and it was all about, at the end, about ego. It's elevating ego and vanity to a, a state of art, you understand? So a dandy was not a very sympathetic people. It was not a nice people. They were really some kind so haughty that they were disagreeable people, to say the least. Well, now we still have in our com community people who are still practicing this dandism, but we can tell you with Sonia, we are in communication with them. They're nice people. Okay, so they don't push it as far as these people were pushing because these people were, they didn't want to work. It was vulgar. They didn't want, they just wanted, I remember George Brumel saying, the only thing I want when I'm invited to a party is to show up, impress everybody, and then go away. That was his only way, the only thing he was caring about, impressing people and then going away. This is not exactly the definition of a gentleman, because a gentleman is the exact reverse. Where a dandy is a social, is mocking the society, is considering himself superior. There's a feeling of superiority. A gentleman, by definition, is something totally different. Well, actually, the word gentleman, I think I dedicated what I'm, I don't think, I'm sure we dedicated a special episode at the beginning of this channel years ago, I think the title of the episode, we're going to put the link, is What is a Gentleman? Back in the years, a gentleman was describing something very specific. It was extremely codified. He was describing somebody of, of the nobility, of a noble uh, descendants. So you had to be uh, the son or the nephew of somebody. So you have to be part of the nobility, the aristocracy. And then, little by little, the word started to, with the French Revolution and then the evolution of the world, started to loosen a little bit. And now what we describe as a gentleman is somebody that, precisely unlike a dandy, is not looking down on anybody. It's somebody who has a very open mind, who have manners, who don't put himself first. When he enters a room, he doesn't want to command the room immediately like a dandy. On the contrary, 
He wants to put everybody at ease. He wants that everybody feels good in his company. He's practicing the art of conversation. And you know that with Sonia, we are very, very interested in this because we believe that in the world in which we are living today, full of brutality in what I call the Twitter world. I'm, I'm really, 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 um, how can I say, angry against Twitter. Because I think Twitter, uh, uh, well, although that we met on Twitter with my wife, so that's another part of the story. Uh, professionally speaking, she wrote to me one day to say, well, I'm a journalist, maybe I can write for Parisian gentlemen, and then we met, and then we fall, fell in love. And that's another story. But apart from that, so I can't criticize too much Twitter, but still... I believe that this Twitter uh, society in which we live, uh, it's um, triggering extreme brutality. Uh, when you have to express something in less, I don't know if it's 150 characters, I don't know exactly the count, you know, it's, it, it shows you how much I'm not interested in Twitter, even if I have a Twitter account, because just to make people aware that I'm publishing a new video, for, I just use it for that as information. But when I look sometime at the news and I just see people screaming, shouting, insulting each other, literally, it's brutal because this is the a reduction of people's mind, literally. And so I believe that in this brutal world, the gentleman way of life is more than ever needed. And that's something that is very close to our heart. And that's something which is somehow linked to the sartorial world. We believe that the way you dress, the way you behave, the way you, uh, the way you, you, you put a lot of thoughts in the way you dress every morning tells a lot of who you are. I'm not going to dress uh, every day the same. I've just tried to think, who am I going to meet today? For which occasion am I dressing? How can I show respect to the people I'm going to dress? But it goes both ways. Sometimes I really put efforts to dress up because I know it will be important for the people I'm going to meet. But on the reverse, sometimes I know if the people I'm going to meet are very casual, they don't really care about dressing up, I try not to overdress. That's the definition of a gentleman. I'm not saying that I am a gentleman. But a gentleman is somebody who cares for others. And that's, for me, the, the best definition I can, I can give to you. So you see, a gentleman and a dandy is the exact opposite. On one side, you have ego, pride, arrogance, and a feeling of superiority, haughtiness. And on the other side, you have kindness, manners, quality of heart, quality of spirit, uh, most of the people who are gentlemen, they have good manners and people around them feel good. That's my definition. It's not the definition of the dictionary, but that's the way I feel about those two words. Next question. Wow, that's a complicated one, but I know it's, it's coming again and again and again in the comments. Do you have to be born stylish? We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, Drew Boa here, host of Husband Material, the weekly podcast where I help men outgrow pornography. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship without fighting a frustrating, exhausting battle. Find Husband Material wherever you get your podcasts or go to husbandmaterial.com. Or can you become stylish with a lot of effort and a lot of studies? And this one is becoming, Sonia told me that's probably is the, one of the most asked questions that we, it's, it's impossible for us to answer it on the, on the YouTube comment because it, it requires a little bit of thinking. A lot of people tend to say, well, you know, what we call the grace, which is the, the epitome of class, the epitome of, you know, feeling comfortable in your clothes and, and being elegant. Um, some of people, most of people think yeah, it, you can't acquire that. Either you have it or you don't have it. Well, I'm not totally in agreement with that. And I will tell you why. The first thing is that when you start on this tutorial journey, because it is a journey, uh, it's a long journey. 
uh, we are on this path with my wife in so, more than a decade now. Personally, probably more than close to 20 years now. And I'm still learning every day. I'm still studying every day. But I'm not studying formally like I was 20 years ago, but I still see mistakes I make. I still see, not that I want to be stiff and perfect all the time, but sometimes I said, oh, I don't feel totally comfortable in this, so maybe I should re remove an accessory or stuff like that. So my first answer is, when I created Parisian Gentleman in 2009, the motto, the claim on the Parisian Gentleman was, first, learn the rules. And then after I was saying, and then break them. But first, learn the room. Yes, you can become extremely more stylish by learning the rules. Example, if you uh, have a stout um, figure, you have a little bit of belly, uh, you're a little bit short and a little bit big, okay? You have to know a few rules. And believe me, those few rules will change everything. Not that all of a sudden you're going to become the most stylish man in the world. No, no, no. But it will change everything. Like, for example, uh, if you are very, very stout, uh, avoid big patterns, for example. Avoid uh, having jackets. I see some people, uh, you know, who, are, who have a little bit of belly, who are very stout, and uh, just uh, uh, putting some big squares, like tweed jacket with big squares. No, because you amplify visually your stoutness. Same for the people who are very, on the contrary, very tall and very um, skinny, okay? And I see them with little stripes. What? That's a mistake because when you are tall and you are very skinny, uh, on the contrary, you have to wear big pattern that will uh, amplify the horizontal line and not the vertical line because you're already too tall. So you understand, it's just two examples I give to you. So when you learn the rules, this is very important, and there's a book that is still for us, a very important book. It's not our book, it's from Alan Fusser, Dressing the Man. Okay, the iconography of the book has been aging a little bit. Okay, it's not very, uh, how can I say, it's not very glamorous anymore, but uh, there's a lot of extremely good rules into that. So, study, the rule can help you tremendously changing your style. The second thing is also to study the etiquette. It may sound a little bit boring, but the etiquette is very, very important. Uh, I'll give you an example. If you go to, um, to a party where there's some dress code that is written on the invitation, I know it's less and less the case, but it still exists. You have to understand what it means, what cocktail means, what uh, black tie means what white tie, which is very, very rare, means why, what uh, business casual means. So you have to learn the etiquette. Why? Because you will, in, in order for you to never be out of place or to feel out of place, once again, it will not make you immediately the most elegant guy in town, but it will avoid you to be, you know, to feel bad in the company of others. So, it's two answers to this very complicated question, but what I, I can witness, and we witnessed this with Sonia many, many times, we saw people totally transformed by taking the sartorial path. I am not exaggerating. We saw people who were literally not the same people uh, as we saw uh, at first. People who decided, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, start this tutorial path. The first thing is to, uh, first of all, take care of your body because it triggers a lot of things. When you want to become more elegant, you all of a sudden become self-aware of the fact that maybe it's better that you eat better, maybe do a little bit of exercise, lose a little bit of this belly. But even if you don't do that, um, taking this journey is opening doors little by little. And we saw people... I can testify to you who are literally not the same people. They made tremendous progress in their life just by understanding a few rules, by trying a jacket, a pocket square. That's one of the most efficient things. Even if you never wore a tie in your life, just put on a pocket square. You will see how this little thing can create all of a sudden something totally different. And then Sonia is making big signs behind the camera. She says, shoes, of course, buy yourself, try it. 
buy yourself a pair of decent shoes, leather shoes, beautiful, I don't know, a double monk, a derby, an Oxford. You will see all of a sudden, not only you're going to feel better, but everybody will see something change in you. And they can't say what it is unless they look at your feet. So, the, the question was, do you have to be born stylish or can you become stylish with a lot of effort and study? I would say, yes, ladies and gentlemen, we saw so many people who transform their life just by taking this tutorial path. Yes, of course, some people are stylish by nature. Some people have this je ne sais quoi, we say in French, that make them, even if you put them the most horrible uh, suit on them, or even just a, a sheet on them, they will, even, they will look good like a Greek statue. But some others, on the contrary, they can make a lot of effort and they will still look kind of awkward and not really comfortable. The secret of all this is nonchalance. The secret is comfort. And this is why we invite you to look at all the episodes on our channel and other channels of our colleagues that will teach you how, why tailoring, why made-to-measure is so important because the first thing that you have to really work on is how to feel and to be and then to feel comfortable in your clothes. At the moment you feel comfortable in a suit, you win. And that's my answer to this question. So I hope I answered it, but you uh, can become much more stylish if you learn the rule and little by little you will see it will improve your life. The problem is this and that I have just one little reserve and warning. It's highly addictive, but uh, well, many of you know that already. Question number three. If a person is immaculately dressed, does his character matter? So I try to understand the question. It means that a guy can be extremely well-dressed and being an asshole. Does it matter? Well, I can see, okay, now it's coming to my mind. I can see uh, this, uh, there's a huge debate. Uh, I, I saw this debate on Instagram, on our community, you know, because whether we like it or not, ladies and gentlemen, our lives are uh, guided by um, algorithm now. So wherever you look, you know, suggestion and algorithm, and this is, um, this is not my taste. I'm very afraid of where the society is becoming because we are ruled by algorithm. But the fact is that I'm interested in suits and ties and shoes and made-to-measure and lifestyle and wine and uh, cigars and watches. And then what, uh, I, when I look at my Instagram feed, of course, I have what I, I'm looking at. So it's algorithm. But So there's a huge debate, and specifically around one person who supposedly was the most stylish man of all time, which is not exactly what I think of him, but it was evidently some kind of a master. He was a master for uh, mixing patterns, for example. It's the late Edward VIII, or more known under the name of the Duke of Windsor. So this is a very controversial persona, to say the least. I will not go too much into history. Uh, he's the only king, I think, in the history of, um, of the Kingdom of uh, England to resign. He resigned. Uh, he decided, uh, we say abdication in French. I don't know the word in, in ab to abdicate. You say this in English? And so he, was, uh, he decided to abdicate, to marry a divorced woman. It was, it, his life was a mess. But what people really remember uh, of him is that he was um, let's say he had some acquaintances with the Nazi party and with Adolf Hitler. And so some people, there's a lot of nasty things that are going on him. Me, I'm not an historian. Uh, we know it's a fact that he had some, let's say, some acquaintance and some friendship with the, the National Socialist Party in, uh, in the mid-30s in uh, Germany. But on the other hand, he was an extremely well-dressed guy. So, I know there's a big debate. Some people say, okay, we don't care what he was thinking, what he was doing, it was, it was nasty. We can still take some inspiration because this guy, first of all, uh, spent a tremendous amount of time thinking about his garment. You can tell just by looking at him. By the way, I was talking about the Alan Fisher book just before, Dressing the Man. There's a lot of pictures uh, 
of the Duke of Windsor. Because he is, I know that our friend from Quiton, if I remember well, they bought his wardrobe, which is, uh, there's an exhibition in the Quiton headquarters in Napoli of um, fantastic, fantastic suits, fantastic ensembles of the Duke of Windsor. So you see, on one hand, I agree about the fact that we can take a lot of inspiration. He was the master. He's the only one I've seen in my life that was able to mix four patterns. He could mix stripes and, 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 and squares and checks and polka dots and, and paisley. He was, you, you, can, you can tell, he, it, it was his life. It was literally his life. And he's been inspiring people, including myself. I have no, um, no shame to say that I've been looking at the way he was dressing and he's been teaching a lot of people uh, about how to dress well. Nevertheless, uh, I have other icons in my life. And the only thing I didn't really like about this man, apart from his political views, who can be challenged, to say the least, uh, of course. Uh, okay, it's been an inspiration. The only thing I really didn't like about him is that he was not displaying, in my own opinion, what I call nonchalance. We can felt, it was easy to feel, he was kind of a stiff. As if every picture was very staged, very, you know, on purpose. Well, after all, he was the King of England. After all, he was from the royal family. So after all, he did not really have some liberty. But look at somebody like Gary Cooper. For me, is the exact opposite of the Duke of Windsor. Gary Cooper was elegant by nature. He got this nonchalant. Same for Fred Astaire. He felt so much more comfortable in his clothes than this Duke of Windsor. So my answer is, um, well, actually, the, the, the question was the character matter. I think, I think that the character matters. Uh, I don't know the character of Gary Cooper. We just know uh, my friend Bruce Boyer uh, wrote a book on him. Um, he, I think he, he gathered the photos from his family, so he had access to the fact that this man was a little bit perturbated, very dark, sometimes very lonely, a little bit uh, very, um, uh, how do you say, addicted to women, and but whatever. And then Cary Grant was very, very uh, concerned about his appearance, and uh, Fred Astaire was a very joyful character. But what I want to say about that is that we can still have inspiration from people, but in real life, and that's what I want to come, good manners or a joyful character or a caring person will always be more remembered than his outfits. And that's something is not very popular to say on the sartorial channel, but believe me, uh, I've seen extremely well-clothed people who were not really sympathetic, not really caring for others, not really, um, how can I say, really caring for others, not really, had no manners, and I, I got problem to remember them. But uh, I remember very clearly people who were kind with me, who had some good manners, and who had obviously a joyful character and a joyful personality and a caring personality. So my answer to that is that in, in an ideal world, an elegant person um, should match the inside and the outside, the way he looks and the way he behaves, what he shows of himself and who he is. I know it's practically almost impossible to reach. It's what we call in the sartorial world the grace which is, uh, in French, the grace, it's, it's a different meaning. In English, the grace is a capital G, it's the grace of God, mainly. But being gracious in French means something a little bit different, is that whatever happens, you keep a good attitude, you, keep, you, 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 you still compose, you can still be kind, you can, which is close to the Christian values, actually. And it's something that, it's for us almost unreachable. It's the perfect balance before, be, between what you show to others with your outfit, the way you dress, the way you behave, and who you are inside. And, but I think we sh it's practically impossible to reach in this life. I hope I answered the question, but uh, that's the, what it evokes to me. That's the idea that came to my mind with this question. Um, question number four. Oh, this one is my favorite. 
What are your thoughts on the claim dress to impress? Well, well, well. So maybe it's a question of semantic or maybe it's a question of culture. But when I read this, me as a Frenchman, dress to impress, I said, what? What are you talking about? Because for us to impress means to show off, to show your muscles, to show you have a bigger one, to show, I'm sorry, but that's the truth. Uh, when I say a bigger one, I don't even think specifically about what you think about. I can say I have a bigger car, I have a bigger house, I have a bigger yard, I have a bigger salary, I have a bigger company, I have a bigger whatever. Okay? It's try to fool people, impress, in the French understanding, is try to fool people about who you are, what you possess, what is your power. I can understand, I would prefer the sentence be a, the best version of yourself. Yes, this is much more interesting for me than dress to impress. In France, we would say dress maybe to, to leave a good impression of yourself behind you. Yes, yes, I like that. But this idea that you have to impress others is really something that I, I have difficulties with, and we have a lot of talks with Sonia with that, and I see it everywhere, even on YouTube channels dedicated to men's style. Hey guys, we're gonna we're gonna show you how to dress to impress. Well, not here, because the values we are defending on this channel are not values about impressing others. There are more values about caring for others. There are more values having manners for others. And believe me, you can leave long-lasting impression with being kind and being polite and having manners than to try to impress somebody. I can understand one more time that if you have a date with a woman that you are really, you want this woman, you know, you want to marry her, that you, you do your best, you know, to give the best version of yourself. But impress, it's implicating for us showing off and a gentleman and somebody who is mature in the sartorial path is not here to impress. Is here to is the best version of himself to try to match who he is inside to what he shows outside and to be the most elegant person he can be. And that's my definition of elegance, putting everybody at ease and putting a little bit, uh, add some beauty in the world, add some beauty in his own world, but also add some beauty in the world of others. That's my definition of elegance. Question number five is something that is coming uh, a lot. Once again, uh, this is among hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments. We say, okay, those one, we have to address them in a video. Can you really be immune to fashion trends? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, all the sartorialists will say to you whether, with their hand on their hearts, I promise I have, I don't care about fashion. Fashion is my worst enemy and I'm totally immune. I'm at the helm of my own style. I choose everything. Because this is why I, 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 I took this sartorial path. Well, they will really swear with, with the, their hand on your, their heart. But the reality is different. We have to be honest with each other. It's impossible to be immune to the trends around you. Why? Because we are in this world. We are not hermits. We are not these dandies. Yeah, come back, back to the dandies who are living like marginals on the margin of the society. We are in the society. We work and then we look at social networks and we are even part of social networks. And then we look at TV and we see advertisement and whether we like it or not, we are not immune. And on top of that, even if I'm reluctant to look at fashion trends because I really specifically fast fashion is my enemy, but there are a few people who are very talented. I will give you some examples. Um, uh, some example which you can even relate to. Back in the golden age of style, let's say in the 1940s, just before World War II and just after World War II, there was a tendency of having the notch of the lapels on the suit that was a little bit lower. And then in the 2010s, all of a sudden, the, the fashion was to put the notch very, very high. I was part of that. I must say, I've been a fashion victim for a few years. Sometimes my notch were even were going up to my shoulders. I, I can show you some pictures. Well, I will not. <laughs> some, some suits, I can't even wear them anymore. So you can't be immune to some thing. Why I was doing this? Because I saw 
some uh, tailors and designers that were making this. Uh, Tom Ford was doing this. Other people were doing So we're not immune to that. And even our tailors are not immune. A tailor who would be immune to the fashion trend will do the same jacket for 50 years. I know tailors like that. They do the freaking same jacket. And when you go to a tailor, you don't want to have always the same jacket. You want to have something different. You have to change the, the flair, the taste. So what is true is that we take, most of us, we take inspiration from the golden age of men's style, the 1930s, you know, the success of uh, uh, Boardwalk Empire, the success, the success of Peaky Blinders, 1920s, 30s, 40s. But we are not immune from something. Look in the street. I am immune to that. But look, for example, since I would say 10 years, the lapels on the, on the suits are so skinny. <laughs> For me, I am immune to that. I am not immune. It makes me feel, it makes me sick to my stomach almost. Okay. But little by little, it's going a little bit better. But so we can't be immune. I had this talk with Lorenzo Tifonelli, you know, he's my historical tailor. He is one of the most creative tailors in our traditional market. He's taking risks. He's trying things. He's, and he's, and he's, uh, we were visiting, I remember we have a story with uh, Sonia and him, and I think Pierre Corté was, uh, the shoemaker was with us in Barcelona. And we were in front of La Sagrada Familia, this fantastic cathedral with Lorenzo. And what was Lorenzo doing? Instead of being amazed, like we were all, I said, oh my gosh, look at that cathedral. This is insane. He was looking at a window of a shop, fashion shop, because he's obsessed. He doesn't want to miss something. And so you see, it's not a crime not to be immune to the fashion trends. Of course, we are not fashion victims. Of course, we are pleading here, we are advocating for moving toward a more minimalistic wardrobe. We are advocating not to be the victim of this horrible, horrific fast fashion, which is an, an enormous factor of pollution on the earth, which is um, almost putting, you know, using kids and underpaid people in Bangladesh to produce their SHIT. But on the other hand, I am not immune to the tendency of art, of music, of beauty around us, because even in our mediocre and brutal world, there's still beauty going on. So my answer is no, you can't really be immune to fashion trends. We have to be honest with each other. We try to resist. We try to be the best version of ourselves, and we try to decide for ourselves. And it takes time what style best fits us, but we are not totally immune to the fashion trend. And you see, even in tailoring, there are movements. The, the lapels width, the, the notch, even the type of fabric, the colors. I mean, since a few years, you, that's a liberation of colors. I, I, me, I, I'm, I'm even doing a yellow suit these days uh, um, in, in the Czech Republic at our friend at the owners. I'm, I'm crafting the first yellow suit. I have a lot of suits, but the first yellow, and then you see a lot of brown, a lot of greens, a lot of, um, a lot of big stripes. So we can't be immune to the, to the, to the time. And there's even in our um, um, trade, there's some quote-unquote fashion, I'm sorry, it's not a forbidden name, okay? It's not a forbidden word, sorry. Last question. What is this? Separatist thinking is becoming stronger by the day. Is a sartorialist by definition a conservative? Wow! That's my favorite question. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we live in a world where the biggest disease, in my opinion, is what we call intellectual shortcuts. That is to say, people put you very quickly in a square. Oh, you have a suit and a tie, you're conservative. You dress in a t-shirt and uh, flip-flops, you're a progressist. You are, uh, I don't know, you eat processed food, you, I don't know, a progressist, but blah, blah. You are um, uh, driving an electric car. Oh, you, you are a Democrat. You are, pro you, you are pro progressist. And uh, I mean, I, 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 I try to speak with American uh, words because in France, Democrats and Republicans and doesn't mean the same really. But we have the same, um, 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 the same thing here in France and in Europe. Is that not a middle way? Isn't it possible for you to, to be somewhere in the middle? 
For example, me, uh, I'm a Christian. We are Christian. Isn't it's not a secret? And we are very, very happy with that. Does it make me a conservative or a progressive? That's a very good question. Most of people would say, oh, this guy is wearing suit and ties. And on top of that, he's a Christian. Hmm. Uh, we have even a worse word in France we call is a réactionnaire. I don't know if you use this word, reactionary. That is to say, he only believes in the past. It was better before, and whatever progresses in, uh, he will be reluctant to that. That's not true. I think there's a place in the middle. So, to answer the question, no. You, if you're a sartorialist, it's not because you wear a tie and a suit that you are a conservative. Absolutely not. This is a lie. And more than that, this is, a, this is an intellectual shortcut. This is putting people in square. This is, once again, the Twitter society. I know a lot of my friends who are progressists, who are even socialists, and socialist doesn't mean the same thing in America than in France. We have in France what we call social democracy, which is what will be some kind of the, 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 the moderate Democrats, in your country, uh, they, are, they love to wear suits and ties. We had the uh, socialist presidents who were dressed by Chief Onelli. We had um, a prime minister recently who was very well dressed. He was a socialist. You see? So this idea, this is the disease of our time, intellectual shortcut, putting people into square. I've seen incredibly progressist people dressed to the nine. But I've seen, on the other hand, extremely conservative people dressed like nothing. So it has nothing to do with that. The only thing is that people believe that because most of the sartorialists, the people who are really into our path, most of them, they worship the 1920s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. They worship the golden age of style in Hollywood, for example. So, and so people say, you see, they say that the past is it's in front we say c'était mieux avant it was better before okay that's the idea that people say and we are progressives we think that the future it's much more promising than what the past created well this is not true either we are taking inspiration from the past being inspired by somebody of the past doesn't mean that you worship the past you just take inspiration charles baudelaire the French poet has this very famous definition of modernity that I use many, many times in my shows and in the interviews. He said that modernity, the real modernity, is the capacity of keeping what is eternal on the things that are changing. Okay, Everything changing. Everything is ephemeral. But there are a few things that are eternal. And if you are able to just recognize and catch the few things that are eternal that will never change, like for me, politeness, kindness, taking care of other, compassion, values like that. If you're able to retain this and then live with your time, live with your fashion of your time. I'm not talking about clothing in this uh, sentence. I'm, I'm talking about live with the air of your time, with the progress of your time, with the progress in many, many areas of, uh, you know, well-being, healthcare, food and stuff like that. Well, uh, you can still be inspired by the past and still be very interesting in the progress of modernity. And I love this definition. So no, you don't have to be a conservative to be a sartorialist. And no, on the contrary, a sartorialist is not always a conservative. This is an absolute intellectual shortcut. And we are fighting against that. And you know what? I think that our sartorial movement slowly is gaining momentum. We can see it. We can see it among the young generation. More and more, and we can witness this because, okay, we're still a niche, but with Sonia, we have our thumb on the pulse of this market. And we receive a lot, a lot, several hundreds, more than several hundred messages a week from the young generation, asking us for advice, asking us for guidance, and say, okay, oh, Mr. Jacome, I'm so happy, Miss Glynn, I'm so happy that you, uh, you know, you're promoting those values that are lacking to us. Young people. Are they conservative? No, they are not. It's just they want a frame of values. We are losing every values in this world and having a frame of values as, for example, as little as in, in the way to dress. The kids are starving codes 
and manners and etiquette. They want to learn because they are from a generation when everything is permitted. And you, need, you see, when you have a frame of value that is structuring your life, it doesn't make you a conservative. You can be a progressist, but still have some values. Okay, I don't want to go too far into the subject because uh, it's a little bit touchy for many people, but my answer is no. I know a lot of people who are from the other side, who are, I can be from anywhere. Politics has nothing to do with the way you dress. And that's my answer to this question. So that was the last question. We're going to continue because we are still answering hundreds of comments. Okay, now we are reaching eight months um, from now. Uh, we started the channel four years ago, so we still have a lot of work. But I hope you appreciate the fact that we are in contact. So if you are, if you didn't visit, if you don't look at your comments since a long time, just take a look because maybe we answered them. And it's always kind of weird for us because uh, sometimes this afternoon I answered a comment from two years ago. Oh, even four years ago, a guy was asking me about my book, Italian Gentleman, about four years ago. And it's always a blast for us because we believe that the sense of community which we managed to create here, that soon a quarter million people on earth, and it's thought to be a big figure on those two channels and with 20 million views, which is enormous for us, uh, it also comes from the fact that we are in communication with each other. And this is at a time when anybody can become an influencer by buying 10,000 followers on the Instagram for $200, what we call the fake account. They're everywhere now. We know the price to pay with Sonia to build a strong community, one after the other, one by one. And with Sonia, it took us 10 years to reach this community. And if we mix YouTube with Instagram, with Facebook, with, uh, we, we're probably bigger than half a million, maybe close to a million people who one way or another are following us. But we know what it takes. And this also, uh, I can't help but being a little bit, not annoyed because I, didn't, I don't really care, but just a bit shocked by people who all of a sudden have uh, 300,000 followers on Instagram and have um, 25 likes on each picture, even 200. Uh, I think this is fooling people. Our community is a solid community, is a, of, of true people, of real people. And this is why we did this tremendous work with Sonia, because we think it's our duty to be in communication with you. Give you an appointment to the next episode of Sotorial Talks. In the meantime, continue to comment on this channel. Specifically, I think, uh, with this sixth question, we open a lot of potential debate. Don't, don't hesitate. Ask questions. Open the discussion with one thing I ask you. Be polite, be courteous, and follow the rules of our community, which is every opinion is good to, to write and is good to hear as long as it is polite and respectful. See you soon, my friends. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.